Do sit down. And uh, as you do so, it would be a great help to you uh, and to me if you have uh, Matthew 25 open. That's page 997 in your Bibles. And uh, you may also want to have the uh, sermon outline, which is on the back of the blue sheets, open in front of you to take notes. Uh, If for anything else, it gives me confidence that you know where I'm trying to get to if I don't get there uh, as uh, clearly as you might hope I would. I think the rustling's nearly finished. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we've just sung the words, glorify thy name, be glorified in me. And Father, I pray that as we look at your word now, my words may glorify you, and that each of our hearts may glorify you as we recognize who you are, and respond with humility to you. So please, be a present amongst us, be at work in us by your Spirit, and for your glory. Mighty Father, Amen. I wonder how your uh, preparations are going for Christmas. Uh, There's always such a lot to do. Uh, I don't know about your household, but... uh, There's lots and lots of preparations to be made. Christmas cards to write. We started ours over a week ago. Uh, Presents to wrap up and, well, to buy, I guess, for most of us. Uh, Decorations to get put up. Parties to go to. Uh, And, of course, if you're a student, you may be packing off to go home. Uh, And I think some of you have got some small things called exams. So uh, a few things to prepare for, for each of us. So much to do, a little time to do it which is why uh, we find that little things around us help us to get prepared for Christmas, don't we? Uh, You may have a diary, and of course the diary says 25th of December, Christmas Day. Uh, Others of us uh, choose Advent calendars. Uh, uh, Yes, uh, I've heard that even the vicarage has got one for high school musical. Uh, Others of us choose chocolate. Whatever does it for you, uh, make sure that you are prepared for Christmas. Uh, For the technos amongst us, I guess some of our student friends, uh, you may have it plugged into your uh, iPod, your iPhone, whatever it is. Whatever gets you ready for Christmas, use it. All these things help us to know that Christmas is coming. But do they really help us to get prepared for it? That is my question tonight. Do those things help us to uh, celebrate Christmas appropriately? Because you see, Christmas is all about Jesus. And you know, over the years, the church, in its wisdom, has consistently prepared for Christmas by not counting down just to the fact that Jesus came the first time, but by preparing for the fact that Jesus is going to come again. That, you see, is why this period leading up to Christmas, beginning today, is called Advent. Uh, Those of you that have never done any Latin, that means the coming to of someone. Not uh, somebody coming to after a night's sleep, but somebody coming to you. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. What will that be like? Uh, You may just want to turn back a page to uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will appear in the sky and all the nations on the earth will mourn. 
they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. That is an awesome event and it is a fearful one. And so over the next uh, two Sunday evenings, we're going to uh, begin our preparations here at Christ Church, not with Advent calendars, but with two Advent parables, two stories Jesus told from the life that he saw around him. And the first we're finding tonight is the parable of uh, ten virgins getting ready for a wedding feast. I wonder how often uh, you think about Jesus' return. I confess that I don't speak about it as much as I should do. And I suspect that none of us do that either. I think there are three main reasons why we don't think about Jesus' return. The first thing is we don't believe it's going to happen. The second is that, well, lots of people have said, look, Jesus is coming. He's coming back this week. He's coming back next month. And so we've begun to shut our ears to it. Somebody has cried wolf too many times. And Jesus hasn't come back. And so we've stopped listening. And I think the third reason is that life is just too good. I know that we're in a a period of financial instability and uncertainty, but we've so much here in this life, haven't we? And it means that actually looking forward to something else in the future, well, it just doesn't seem worth it, does it? And so the result is that we ignore that Jesus is coming back. We forget it. We kind of play the ostrich. We put our head in the sand. And, uh, well, we hope that it's going to be all right in the end. We're not sure, but we hope. Well, you know what? Jesus spoke about his return a lot. And uh, over the next two Sundays, we're going to focus on just two things that he said, two small parables And uh, if you cast your eyes back into chapter 24 and through into the end of chapter 25, it's two chapters full about Jesus coming. And, you know, if you were to cast your eyes through the rest of the New Testament, you'd find out, statistics tell us, that one in seven verses of the New Testament speak about Jesus' coming. Not his first coming, but his return. And there's one major theme that comes throughout each of those. And it's this, on Jesus' first coming, he came in weakness and humility. He came to save sinners by dying on a cross. And when he came, the door of that inn was slammed shut in the face of his parents and him. His next coming is going to be totally different. He's going to come in power and in majesty. And he's going to come to judge sinners like you and me. And when he comes, he is going to shut the door on some. Verse 10 of our parable tonight. And the door was shut. The door will be shut and some will be left outside. That day, that day is an awful prospect, isn't it? Some people are going to be expecting to get into the party in heaven. Maybe there are some here tonight who are expecting to be in heaven. And yet, the truth is, where you stand now, you may be left outside. Are you willing to take that chance? Are you willing to take the chance 
on whether you will hear the words that Jesus says here. Sir, sir, open the door to us. And verse 12, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. So with that by way of introduction, uh, let's turn to the first of our Advent parables, just to make sure that we are ready to meet the risen, ascended, the glorified, the coming Jesus Christ. Begins his parable tonight, at verse, verse 1. At that time, Jesus is continuing his teaching from, verse, uh, from chapter 24, and he says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. This is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. Jesus is using the imagery that he's already used in Matthew. Back in chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, don't look there now, you can see that Jesus is the bridegroom. Elsewhere in the New Testament, you can see very clearly that the church is the bride of Christ. In the Old Testament, you can see that that God is the husband of his people. Look in Isaiah. We were there this morning in chapter 6. If you were with me at the 8 o'clock, you'd have been there in chapter 35. But if you look in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 4 to 6, and and again in 62, verse 5, you will see that God is the husband of his people. And so the picture, this parable here, is of the bridegroom of Jesus, of God, coming. And there are ten people, ten virgins waiting for him. And I want us tonight to uh, notice three facts about the coming of Jesus. And uh, that's the first heading on uh, the sermon outline. The first fact is this. A long wait, a long wait, but the bridegroom is still coming. Uh, This parable describes Jesus' coming as being like a a wedding day. But it's not a wedding day as you or I would know it. I guess all of us have been to weddings. But this wedding is different. But it's very like the weddings of 2,000 years ago. Uh, Today, uh, our pattern is that everybody goes to a a church building for a Christian ceremony. And then afterwards, everyone goes to the hotel for the reception. Or if you're lucky and you've got a really big house, you go back to the uh, bride's family's pad. Uh, In Jesus' day, the pattern was quite different. Uh, The bridegroom and his best mates, you might say his ushers, they went to the bride's family home for the ceremony. And then, well, the bridegroom would sit down with the bride's parents, and I guess those of you that have got uh, uh, daughters will be glad that this isn't the current progress or the current way that we do marriages. Uh, The bridegroom would sit down uh, with the bride's parents and sort out the dowry, how much money he was going to be paid for marrying the daughter of this couple. And I know there are a number of couples here tonight who have got a number of daughters and I'll bet you're very glad that that is not the way things are done today. And of course, once that had happened, the bridegroom would be off. He'd make his way back to his own house for the reception at his own pad. And uh, just as today it's fashionable for someone to be late, usually the bride, in those days it was fashionable for the bridegroom to be late. He'd always arrive after, after dark He'd be late for the reception. And when people knew that the bridegroom was coming, they'd rush out into the street. They'd light their torches and their lamps and they'd accompany him onto his home. A torch-lit procession. 
and then there'd be a party. And not just a party as you or I would have, which may last uh, half a day, depending on who you are and how much money you've got. This party would go on for days and days and days. That is the background to our parable. That's what's going on here. And the focus in verse 1 is of ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come from the bride's home. We're told that, uh, verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, verse 3, were the ones who turned up with just their lamp, but no spare oil. And of course, things would be fine if things ran according to plan, if things ran to time in the wedding. There were the wise ones, verse 4. They took uh, oil in jars along with their lamps. They had their jerry cans ready just in case they had to wait, just in case things ran over time. And you know what? Verse 5, as always happens in a wedding, there was a delay. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. You know, I don't know if I can remember a single wedding where there hasn't been a wait. If there's anybody here who remembers a wedding like that, then please do put your hands up. No, there is always a wait, isn't there? I have to admit, at my own wedding, uh, I was the one that kept Ali, my wife, or my bride waiting. Because, uh, believe it or not, the car that was supposed to take me to the wedding uh, got involved in a car crash. Uh, honest, true. And uh, uh, I was late and everybody was left waiting. But there are lots of other reasons, uh, whether it's the bride, whether it's waiting for the service to start, waiting for the sermon to finish, uh, the long wait for the photographs. It seems to me these days that photographs take far longer than the service. And then, of course, you, 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 there's a long wait whilst everybody gets to the reception. There's a wait whilst you will queue up to meet Mr. and Mrs. X. And then there's a, a long wait for the meal, for the, for the meal to be served. There's a long wait for the speeches. A long wait for the bride and groom to go. And then, of course, there's a long wait for you to work your way out of the car park whilst everybody else gets out in front of you. Lots of waiting. And you know what? Jesus knows that that's the case for us, waiting for him. There's going to be a long wait for him before he returns. Indeed, that's what he's been saying in in chapter 24. He's been preparing his close disciples for the fact that it's going to be a long wait. And it may well be a painful one. It's not easy being a Christian in this world. And it wasn't going to be easy for his first disciples either. Persecution and all sorts of things. Look back to uh, chapter 24 and verse 9. You'll be handed over to to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. It's not going to be an easy wait. And so uh, Jesus is giving them sort of the kind of pep talk, the manager's half-time talk in the middle of a game to make sure that they stay focused in the long wait. And the message to Christians from their master Jesus is it may be a long wait, but you know what? Verse 6, the bridegroom is still coming. At midnight, the cry ran out, here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Christians have been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to return. And this parable is to tell us that one day the waiting will be over, that he is indeed coming. That is the first point from this parable. 
a long wait, but the bridegroom is still coming. Second fact from our parable, a sudden division. The rejection of all who aren't ready. The message is out, verse 6, the bridegroom is coming. So what happens, verse 7? The virgins, they get up, they wake up, they trim their lamps and they get ready to welcome him. But as they do so, disaster. The foolish ones suddenly realise they've run out of oil. They go to the, the other virgins and, and they say, look, give us some oil. But they can't because, of course, if they give them oil, they'll have no oil for their own lamps. There's not enough, verse 9. So the foolish ones, they rush off to the corner shop to get some more oil. But by the time they return, by the time they return, the bridegroom has arrived. And what, verse 10? The door has been shut. Bang. They've been left outside. There is a sudden division of those ten virgins. Five foolish ones are excluded outside. The ones that aren't ready are rejected. And they bang on the door, Sir, 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 please open the door for us. Don't you recognise us? Verse 12. I tell you the truth, I don't know you. That is the awful reply. You see, Jesus knows those who are eligible to come in because they are ready. Those who are not ready are not eligible. That's an awful prospect, isn't it? Rejected because they weren't ready. And the rejection is final. The door won't be opened again. The time is up. If you're not ready when Jesus comes back, you will be rejected. If you like it, that th- there is a too late. There's a too late in God's calendar. And the consequences are dreadful and eternal. Now, just in case there's uh, somebody sitting here tonight and just thinking that, well, being left outside the bridegroom's house, well, it may not be the party, but it's going to be okay, isn't it? It may be second best, but, but second best is fine. <coughs> Well, just listen to how Jesus describes what you might think is second best. Chapter 24 and verse 51. Bottom of the left-hand column of the uh, page that we're on. Jesus will assign him a place of the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, just in case we don't get the picture, in chapter 25, verse 46. They will go away to eternal punishment. To eternal punishment. One of my relatives once said to me, David, I I don't really mind being in hell because all my friends are going to be there and we're going to have a great party. He thinks that hell is fine. And, And come what may, I could not convince him otherwise. He was not going to be moved. But these verses tell us it isn't. It is not going to be fine. And that fills my heart with absolute anguish that he won't see the truth. Jesus tells us this parable to warn us, to warn you and me. And he warns us not because he wants to scare us, because he hates us, but because he loves us. And you know what? The proof of God's love, of Jesus' love for us, is that the first time he came, 
Moments after he said these words, he himself was prepared to die for you and for me. To take the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin, for our rejection of God. So that when he comes again, when he judges us, he may pass the judgment of salvation, innocent. Because he took the rap for us. Some, you know, may say that Jesus is a slow coach in returning. But you know what? The reason why he's so slow is to give us time to get ready. Time to wake up and get prepared. So that you and I don't need to face what those three foolish virgins faced. The door of heaven being shut in our faces. One day it's going to be too late. Just as it can be if we don't file our tax return, just as it can be if you folk don't prepare for your exams next term, there's going to be a day when it's too late. There will be a sudden division, the rejection of all who aren't ready. But there's a third fact here. There's a glorious prospect, the banquet for all who are ready. You know, Advent is a, it's a, it's a warning on one hand, that Jesus is coming, the door's going to close. But on the other hand, well, it's saying, look, there is a welcome that awaits you. Verse 10b, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. A time of, of great celebration. In fact, it's going to be the greatest party that there's ever been witnessed. Uh, if, if you saw the parties at the millennium, storming parties. Uh, we stood on a hill just uh, uh, above where we lived and in the parish where we were working. And 360 degrees, you could look around you and you could see fireworks going off. You could hear the noise of the parties all around you. Well, those parties are nothing in comparison to the party in heaven. Because we will be with Jesus, the bridegroom, not just for a moment, but for eternity. And you know what? The door will be shut and you will be inside. Does that make you smile? You know, one of the reasons why I keep my specs halfway down my nose is so that I can read my notes, but so that I can see. And I don't see many people smiling. Does that prospect of heaven thrill your heart? Because it should do. It is a glorious prospect. And it should, should thrill you even more because it's a party that none of us None of us, not even you or me, deserve to be at. But because we are invited, we are welcomed by faith in Jesus as our rescuer. The one who judges as our saviour. You know what? It's our response to Jesus' first coming when he came as saviour, which will determine his response to us when he comes as judge. Just see how, how different heaven is to hell. Just, just turn with me for a moment to uh, the last book in the Bible, to uh, page 1249, the penultimate page, to Revelation chapter 21. Because this will tell us just how great heaven is. This is a vision that Jesus gives John. John repeats what he saw. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that is heaven, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That is a glorious prospect, isn't it? That is stunning. And that is what awaits you if you are ready. It's such a contrast, isn't it? Some welcomed by Jesus and given eternal life in heaven. Some rejected by Jesus and excluded from heaven and given eternal life in hell. And I take it that none of us here tonight want the latter, do we? None of us want to be in hell, do we? And yet the truth is, unless we respond appropriately to Jesus' words, we will be consigning ourselves to just exactly that. And there's no grounds for complacency here. Remember the five foolish virgins? They expected to get in. They had false grounds for expecting to be there. They had unfounded hope, which was no hope at all. So I want to wrap up this evening by just three ways in which we should respond. They're not either ors. All three of these ways are the ways that we need to prepare for Jesus' coming. And the first is this. Keep watch. Keep watch. Verse 13. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Those are the words from Jesus' own lips. Keep watch. If you look back in 24, you'll see him saying exactly the same. Be on the alert for the ultimate encounter. The coming face to face with Jesus. It when I was in the Navy, uh, it was drilled into us that you never went to sleep on watch. In fact, it's a court-martial offence to fall asleep on watch. Why? Well, firstly, you don't see things that might be a danger to yourself. But you are on watch for other people. Looking out. And at sea, you're looking out for another ship that might hit your ship. And it won't just be you that goes down. It'll be everybody else. Keep watch. Keep watch is what Jesus is saying. We do it when we drive and when we get distracted when we drive, when we get drowsy when we drive, that's when disaster strikes. And it's the same with Jesus. Keep watch. Keep watch. Don't get distracted by everything else that's around us, by your work, by home life, by hobbies. There's lots to distract us. Don't forget the most important date in your diary. Don't get drowsy. Don't get tired out by everything else. So you're caught sleeping when he comes. No, Jesus says, here, keep watch. Second, get ready. This is what makes all the difference, isn't it, between heaven and hell. None of us knows when Jesus is coming. None of us knows when we are going to die. That may be sooner. It could be tonight. And I have to ask you, as I ask myself, are you ready? Are you ready for him? Jesus is on his way. We could meet him as we drive home tonight. The lesson from this parable is that if we're not ready, it is culpable. There can be no excuses. I had to go to the shop. That's what the foolish virgin said. I had to go to the shop. I'd run out of oil. 
inexcusable. I guess uh, some of us will have heard of the great explorer at the beginning of the last century, Ernest Shackleton. Certainly if you were with us at Christianity Explored this last week, you'd have heard about him and how he tried to coax people into joining him. Well, actually, he tried to put them off. Um, but uh, anyway, he went on a, an expedition and uh, his team got marooned on Elephant Island in the South Atlantic. And Shackleton decided that, well, there was only a small boat, a small number of people with him would go and row out 800 miles to get help and to get a rescue. And uh, he left uh, behind a Royal Marine officer called Wilde in charge of the remaining party. And every single day, Wilde would get all the rest of them that remained on the island up and he'd say these words, he'd say, get your things ready, boys. The boss may come today. Every day he'd say the same thing. Get your things ready, boys. The boss may come today. And he said that for 138 days until Shackleton returned. Not a single one of them died. All of them survived. All were rescued. And the message here from our parable. Every day, get ready. Make sure you're ready today, tomorrow, each day. I have to get ready because Jesus is coming. And he's not just any boss. He is the boss. He is God returning in glory to judge. And the way to get ready? Very simply, if you were with us uh, this week, uh, when Rico was with us, he gave us an ABCD. And it's very simply this. Uh, mine, slightly different, but exactly the same uh, reasons behind it. ABCD, we have to admit our sin, admit we rebel against God. That's the first step. B, believe in who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God. And that through his death, we can be set right with him because Jesus pays the price that we cannot afford to pay. That we cannot, we cannot pay. See, we are to come to Jesus for that forgiveness. Admit, believe, come. And then D, decide to live for him hereafter. That is how to get ready. And there may be some here tonight who have never done that. Today would be a great day to start, wouldn't it? It's worth starting. You need to start. Start out. A, B, C, D. There may be others of us here tonight who have done it already. Done it in the past. Maybe did it a few months ago. A few years ago. But you've, you've just gone your own way. You've backtracked. You've left Jesus. You need to start over. Just remember, you can't get in on somebody else's faith you can't get in on a faith that is no faith at all. That's what those foolish virgins found out. You can't fool Jesus. He'll see right through you. So, keep watch, be ready, and then finally be patient. It's going to be a long wait. We don't know when Jesus is, is going to come back. There are folk here tonight who have been waiting 40, 50, 60, maybe more years. But he may come back tonight. I may be waiting. You may be waiting 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Some of you may live to 100 and he may not come back before you die. Jesus is coming. And if you're a Christian here tonight, you should long for that day. The final verses of the Bible say, come Lord Jesus, come. But you know what? We should be patient because it allows everybody else to get ready. 
God is gracious. It gives you and I time to tell other people. That's what these invites are about. Use them. Gives us time to tell people and to invite people. God is gracious. And if you're not a Christian person here tonight, please use the delay wisely. Be wise. Find out who Jesus is. Come, come on Tuesday night to our dinner. Free dinner. Come and get a taster for Christianity Explored. Find out who Jesus is. Come to know him personally so that when you come to meet him face to face, you will meet him as your friend. Yes, as your judge, but as your rescuer and redeemer. It can be hard waiting for Christmas, you know what? It can be hard. But it's worth it. But it is harder waiting for Jesus' return. But boy, it is worth it. And it will be worth it. So as I close, can I ask you, how are you preparing for Christmas? How are you going to use this Advent? How are you going to use this Advent parable which tells us to get ready? Jesus is coming back. Will you be ready for him? I want to be, I will. But will you? Let's pray. A moment of quiet for us just to think through how we need to respond to Jesus, whether we need to accept him as our saviour because we've never done it before, whether we need to respond by resetting our diaries afresh for that most important day. Our loving Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you have given us this parable tonight. That we might know what lies ahead and that we may be wise in how we prepare for it. Please, we pray, would you help us to be ready? We know that as we place our hands in yours, as we repent and believe in you, as we ABCD, admit, believe, come and decide to follow you, You will help us, and more than that, you will welcome us home. Please, Lord, help each one of us to do that, and to continue doing that day after day, patiently. And for those of us who perhaps need time just to think it all through, please help us to make that time, that when you arrive, we may be those who you welcome in. For we ask it for your glory's sake. Amen.